So we're continuing our series called Fresh Air. Actually, before I do, I just need to make one more, one reminder, and that is at the beginning of this month of February, Pastor Brennan just encouraged or, or, or put out a challenge to our church as he opened this series of Fresh Air. He talked about having gratitude and that he really felt to encourage our church that in the month of February, that you would consider giving a, a Thanksgiving offering. That would, that, that would be an expression of your thanks and your gratitude for all that God has done, and for all that, he, that we know he's going to do. And so I want to just encourage and remind you, if you haven't yet considered that, to, to um, yeah, be in prayer about that. For some, it may be uh, above your offering. It's, a, it's an amount that you consider and you prayerfully consider before God that you want to give as a, a way of saying, God, we, we're so thankful, thankful for what you're doing. Or perhaps uh, on, as another option, it may be that you're going to begin the practice of tithing because you're saying, you know what, God, you have done so much for me. I'm going to walk in, your, in obedience to your word and start that practice of tithing as a way of saying, God, I appreciate and I'm grateful for what you do. So just a reminder, and I encourage you to, to consider that in Jesus' name. But today we're continuing our series called Fresh Air, and we've talked about having gratitude, uh, Pastor James, I hear, delivered a great message last week about opening our eyes and seeing what God sees so that He can breathe fresh air into our lives. And today what I want to talk about, or the title of my message is to think like a king. Think like a king. So what the focus today is on, on our thoughts. We're going to talk about our state of mind and our thinking because truly this is so powerful. Our life moves in the direction of our most dominant thought. Your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thought. Proverbs 4.23 says it this way. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Now, we should all know by now that our thoughts are powerful and they truly have the ability to determine the course of our life. So research indicates that most people speak at a rate of 150 to 200 words per minute. That's a lot of words per minute. But what they also estimate is that the internal dialogue, our self-talk, who does that? We all do that, all right? Don't judge me. <laughs> our self-talk, we do that at a rate of 1,300 words per minute. That's almost seven times. You talk to yourself seven times more than you talk to anybody else. Think about that for a second. See, there is an internal dialogue, there is self-talk, there is something that happens on the inside, there's a conversation and dialogue that is ongoing in our life. And it is so important that that is healthy talk, that that is positive and empowering talk and positive thoughts because that is the direction that our life is going to move. True? So unhealthy and negative thoughts, they lead our life in the direction of dissatisfaction, of fear, of becoming a victim. So the, some of these thoughts might sound like this. I'm just so busy. I have just got so much to do and I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. What is your week? How, how does your week start? What do you wake up thinking in the morning? Oh, my kids are such a pain. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to make it work. Do you wake up on Monday morning going, oh, this is going to be such a tough week. This is just going to be so hard. I just don't know if I can make it through. Is your dominant thought, oh, here we go again. Life is just the oh, same over and over again. So monotonous, so boring, so disappointing. Or do you start to think, oh, I've got to go to work, stupid work. I've got to go to stupid work with stupid people, doing stupid things. 
I shouldn't say stupid, it's a naughty word, right? These unhealthy and negative thoughts are very disempowering and they just give us hopelessness. They're not moving us in the direction that we want to go and you won't reach your God potential while you're thinking like a toilet. How about that for a quote of the day? You won't reach your God potential while you're thinking like a toilet. I don't know where that came from. Sorry about that. (laughs) Whereas your healthy, positive thoughts will lead you in the direction of fulfillment, faith and in victory. If our thought life is more like we wake up in the morning and we say, I know my God is for me. He is not against me. He is with me. I can face anything. I know my God is working all things out. Do you wake up and your dominant thought is my life is full of purpose. God's got such a great calling for my life. As your dominant thought, I am so blessed. I have a great family. I have wonderful children. I have a job to go to. I have a house. I have a bed to sleep in. I have toilet paper. Hey, if you've got toilet paper, you are blessed right now. Amen. Hey, if that's your dominant thought, I am so blessed. I'm excited about today. I can't wait to see what God's got in store for me. I am full of faith and I am ready for anything. Now, That may be a bit of an exaggeration on both sides about how our thoughts are when we wake up each day. But I want you to consider which one is your internal dialogue more like? What is your internal dialogue more like? Unhealthy, disempowering, hopeless thoughts or are they healthy, faith-filled, letting you walk in victory thoughts? You know, the the thing is, all you have to do to become unhealthy is nothing. (laughs) Do you know, all you need to do to become unhealthy, whether physically, spiritually, mentally, is to do nothing. If we do nothing, our natural propensity is toward evil. Our natural propensity is toward decline and destruction and mess. That's our natural propensity. If you want to become unhealthy, just do nothing. But if you want to cultivate a healthy mind and a healthy body and a healthy spirit, then there are things that we have to do. There are things that we need to put in place. There are disciplines that we must follow in order to maintain a healthy mind. And in the same way, we look after our body, we exercise, we put the right food in. I think often we don't realize that we actually need to discipline our thoughts as well. There are things that we can do, measures that we can put in place to discipline our mind so that we can have a healthy state of mind, a a mind that is full of faith and characterized by peace. See, sickness just spreads. We know all about that now. (laughs) Do you know, health doesn't spread. If I'm healthy and I come alongside a person who is sick, they don't catch my health. (laughs) Health doesn't spread, sickness spreads. And that's why we have to take responsibility. We're the only ones that can take the responsibility to cultivate a healthy life. Amen? Some people say, I can't help it. My, I just, it's just the way I am. I, I'm a negative person. I, I, I just, I'm just an anxious person. I can't help it. It's just the way that I am. It's the way that I'm, I'm wired up. I'm, I'm a pessimist. And I'm not here to condemn anyone today. And I totally understand that we are all different. We have different personalities and we have different temperaments and we've had different experiences and we have a different environment and so we're all exposed. And, and I would agree and I accept the fact that, yes, some of us have, a, have a, a, a more of a disposition toward negativity. I can accept that. It just means you've got to work a little bit harder than others do at creating and maintaining a healthy thought life. 
The other side of it is that I also I know and I can accept the fact that sometimes our mental health gets out of our control, out of our reach to bring it back into right mind and right thinking. And we need to seek help. And we need to learn to recognize when we need to seek help. Yeah? yeah? So I accept that there, we, we, there are times where there is medical and, and psychological intervention required. I totally can accept that. But regardless, none of us can abdicate responsibility for our mental health. We can't say, oh, well, there's nothing that I can do. There is something that we can all do and we can take responsibility. We have, a, we have a saying that says, my heart, my responsibility, in the same way, my mind, my responsibility. I wanna, I wanna encourage you that the good news today is that God wants to breathe fresh air into your thinking. He wants to breathe life into your thoughts. He wants to transform you and change the way that you're thinking because He can change the way that you are, the person that you are, by changing the way that you think. It's a discipline for all of us. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. As I said, sometimes some of us just need to work harder than others. You know, the kid that works the hardest at his footy training to make the footy team usually outperforms all the rest because he's had to sew in hard. He's had to, he's had to work hard to reap the benefits. In the same way, you go to the gym, if you're the one working hard, you're the one that's going to reap the benefits, right? Some of us have to work harder, harder than others because we are, we are all built differently. But that doesn't mean any of us can negate responsibility. True? I want to get, encourage us today and give us a few principles that we can live by that God, that God can breathe fresh air into our thoughts. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The Spirit of God, church, can change the way that you think and can set your life on a path to prosperity, to health, to faith and to victory in Jesus' name. This is what it says in Romans chapter 12. And, you know, we should all be familiar with this verse. But let me remind you, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can I propose something today, church, is that sometimes the answer is not always to do something different. Sometimes the answer is to think something different. You know, we can get caught up in, oh, I've tried this and I tried to do this and, I, and I've done this and I've, I've tried this program and I've tried it and I've done this and we, we get caught up in doing something and we haven't actually addressed the thinking. We're trying to alter our behavior without addressing the thoughts behind the behavior. The problem with that is that even if we do somehow get success in changing a behavior, altering a behavior, is that often it doesn't last long because we just revert back to poor thinking, which leads to poor behavior. And it's this hopeless cycle. The powerful thing about this verse in Romans chapter 12 is that instead of it, instead of 
us trying to change us, me trying to change me, you trying to change you. It's God transforming us by changing the way that we think. It's God doing the work on our behalf to create a healthy mind that will lead us to victory. See, God's saying, if you, do, if you just look at the pattern of this world and if you're just trying to copy behavior, then you're becoming mindless. You're not thinking. You're just following mindlessly. You're, you're, you're numb in your mind. It's, it's going to lead you somewhere where you don't want to go. But if you can allow the power of the Holy Spirit, allow God to transform your mind, you can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter, 20, chapter 4 verse 22 says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Hey, he says, stop following the world. Stop following the ways that things have been done. Stop following the sinful way. That's only going to lead you to deception and lust. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 3, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There's a few things that I just want to pull out of this verse. Are you ready for this? The first thing is this. This is war. This is warfare. If we're going to just reduce our thoughts to thinking that they're just psychological, they're just mere psychological things. No, no, this is spiritual church. Our thought life and our thinking is it's spiritual warfare and we need spiritual weapons to fight. See, it's no wonder... It's no wonder that the enemy loves to attack us in our mind to sow seeds of doubt and fear and anxiety. He loves to cripple us up here because he knows if he can cripple us in our thoughts, he can cripple us in our life. Then we will be ineffective in our, in our mission for Christ if, he can take, if, he, if we are controlled by the sinful nature. So this is warfare, church. This is not just physical. This is spiritual. The second thing, though, is that we've got weapons. Hey, this is warfare, but we've got weapons. There are physical weapons. There are things that we use in order to, to maintain good mental health, good thought life, positive thinking. If you've been to counselling, there are a lot of strategies that they can use and they're all positive and they're good. There's cognitive behavioural therapy and there's breathing exercises. There's a lot of physical things that we can do that are helpful. But if this is not just a physical war, If this is a spiritual, then we're going to need some spiritual weapons. The spiritual weapons that it talks about in this verse, they have divine power to demolish and break down and tear down strongholds. Have you had a pattern of thought that has been a stronghold in your life? And you've you've said, you know what, this will never change. Can I tell you something today? The Word of God, the Spirit of God has divine power to break down any and every stronghold by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Come on, this is warfare, but you know what, church? We got weapons, and too many of us, we got our weapons sitting in a dusty closet somewhere, and we're not even using them. We're not even bringing them to the fight. Come on, church, let's get our weapons. What are these weapons that have the divine power to demolish strongholds? Church, we have prayer. 
prayer is a spiritual weapon. Church, we have fasting. That is a spiritual weapon. We have the Word of God. Come on. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the shield of faith. We've got the breastplate of righteousness. We've got the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. We are equipped with spiritual weapons to fight this war because God knows, hey, I didn't put you on this earth. It's not just physical. This is spiritual and this is war. And we need to turn up to the fight with our, with our spiritual weapons. I'm ready to fight today. Is anybody else ready to fight? Come on. It says this in Hebrews chapter 4. For the Word of God is living and powerful. Did you hear that? It's a, it's, this is not just words on, a, on, on pages. This is alive. It is active, it is living, and it has, it has the power to speak. It transcends uh, years and centuries. It transcends powers and principalities. It has the ability to, to pierce and to cut through any and every situation. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. What it's saying here is it can separate between the natural and the supernatural. It can separate between the, the mere carnal, the man flesh, and it can separate between spirit and life and things that are from God. And of the joints and marrow. What it's saying is even the most difficult, the things that are impossible to separate, the Word of God can do it. The things that are impossible to discern and, and, to, and to divide, the Word of God can do it. And it is, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God reveals. You know what? The, 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 the mind is not supposed to dominate the spirit. No, the spirit is supposed to give expression to the mind. They're the Word of God. So anything that sets itself up against the truth, we have spiritual weapons that can demolish, that can cut through, Sin that wants to attach itself to us, strongholds that are that are that are just that can continue to stand before us. The word of God has the the divine power to demolish every stronghold. So it's warfare, but the good news is we've got weapons. The other thing that it says in that passage, it says, and we take captive every thought. What does it mean to take captive? I was thinking about this the other day. It's to grab a hold of it. You will sit down. And we're going to have a look at this properly. My son, the other day, he, we were out in the backyard playing and all of a sudden he started to cry and he started to scream and he was in pain and he's saying, my foot's sore and he's running around like a lunatic. And I'm like, what is going on? I didn't even know what the problem was because he's just running around. So I had to take him captive. I like taking my children captive. <laughs> I took him captive and he said, my foot, my foot, my foot. And I was able to, to grab his foot, grab hold of that foot. And I was able to look, take the time to look properly, look intently. What is actually going on here? What is the problem here? And he had a splinter in his foot. So we took the foot captive. And you know when you've got to remove a splinter from a child's foot, you've got to take him captive, yeah? So we grabbed him, wrestled him, and we had to get the needle out and the, and the um, tweezers and we pulled that splinter out. That's what I, told, I believe about taking captive our thoughts. Is Sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced this, but our thoughts go wild. <laughs> They're running around like lunatics going, ah, ah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on. And we've got to take them captive so that we can look intently at them and say, okay, why are you here? What is the problem? What is going on here? If the expression or the feeling is hurt or pain, then you've got to ask the question, why? What is happening? So look at it properly. See, what happens in warfare, and I'm not speaking from experience because I'm no soldier, but in warfare, when you take captive a prisoner, you then begin to interrogate. 
don't you? You ask questions. What are you doing here? Who sent you? Where are you from? What is your plan? What is your purpose? What is your intent? That's what we need to do with every thought. We take it captive. Who sent you? Did you come from the pit of hell to distract me and to discourage me and to pull me down? Or did you come from heaven itself to build me up and to lift me up? Who sent you? Where did you come from? So we take captive and we interrogate. One of the most powerful things you can do is to ask questions rather than make statements. If you want to shift how your, your thinking is and your mentality, begin to ask questions, not make statements. This is the difference. A statement sounds like this. I'm such a failure. That's a statement. I'm such a failure. I'm no good. I'm hopeless. Those are statements. A question is, why... What is it that's made me feel like a failure? What has happened or what is going on that, why do I feel that way? That's a question. What, and what researchers are saying about this is that when you ask questions rather than make statements, you power up the problem-solving area of your brain. So instead of just being, oh, it's out of my control, I can't do anything, you power up that problem-solving area. You say, okay, what can I do? And you begin to have curiosity and creativity about addressing the thoughts that are coming into your mind. That's the difference between asking questions and making statements. A, a quote I read this week from Mark Manson said this, managing your emotions well isn't about learning to feel differently. Have you ever felt condemned like, oh, I've just got to feel, or someone's told you, you just got to stop feeling that way? It's not about learning to feel differently. It's about learning to think differently about how you feel. That's how you manage your emotions well. Often you can't force yourself to feel different. And judging yourself for feeling a certain way doesn't help. It only makes things worse. But we are better off when we begin to approach our feelings with objectivity and with curiosity. We say, okay, why am I feeling like that? What is it that has triggered? What is it that happened that has brought about this feeling or this pattern of thought? And we begin to interrogate and say, who sent you? Where are you from? And if it's a lie from the pit of hell, then you know where it belongs and you can send it. Return to sender. Amen. So instead of dwelling on a fear, a fault or a failure, start a conversation. Get creative, get curious, get objective in your mind, begin to ask questions and interrogate. The fourth thing it says here, you've got to take captive every thought. And then what does it say? Make it obedient. Any parent that has young children, <laughs> those three words seem impossible. How do you make it obedient? Have you ever tried making a toddler obedient? It's like, what? How do you make something obedient? Take captive every thought and make it obedient. The other day, a few months ago, I went to the shopping center with my daughter and we hopped out of the car and we had to go left to go towards Woolworths, the grocery shop, and we hopped out of the car and I started to walk left and my daughter Tori, who was two at the time, she turned right and started to walk the other way. So she's walked up there and I've walked down here and we're having, and I stopped and I turned around and she's up there. I said, no, this is the way to go. She has a full on tantrum at the shopping center, out the front. Everybody's watching. She's like, no, she was so stubborn. She refused to move. She's, she would not come with me. So we're having a standoff. Oh yeah, we are having a full standoff for, every, for the whole world to see. I'm standing here about 20 meters away. She's standing there and I'm refusing to budge and she's refusing to budge. So if anybody knows how to make a toddler obedient, I'm just going to sit down right now. You can have the platform and teach me. So we're standing there having this full-on standoff. And a gentleman, lovely gentleman, walks past and she said, let me guess. He said, she's about two years old? I said, yes. 
So we're having this standoff. She refused to, and she was crying, whatever. Eventually, I walked over to her, I grabbed her hand, and I said, this is the way we're going, and we walked over to the supermarket. There's a couple of things that I've learned from this. How do you make something obedient? The first thing is you need to recognize your authority. You need to recognize your authority. I am the parent. I am the boss. I am a child of God. You've got to recognize your authority. Stand your ground. It is okay to say, because I said so, because I know who I am in Christ. I have a firm foundation. I've got my identity in Christ Jesus. Know your authority. The second thing that I've learned you need to do to make something obedient is you've got to outstubborn them. Oh, I'm good at that. Who else is good at that? You've got kids. I have learned to outstubborn them. I will stand here all day long, girl, until the cows come home. Is that what they say? I am not moving. I'm not changing. You will come and join me. You've got to outlast them. Out. What does it say in Ephesians chapter 6 where it gives us all the spiritual weapons, helmet, all that? And then what does it say? Stand firm. Don't you move. Don't you retreat. Don't you back off. Don't you give and you stand firm. And after you've, after you've been standing firm, it says you keep standing firm. You keep standing. Don't you back off. You've got to outstubborn the enemy. You've got to outstubborn those thoughts, those, those wrong, the, sin, oh, the sinful thinking. You've got to outstubborn it, outlast it and make it obedient. And sometimes, oh, and you've got to lead them. The next thing, outlast them, outstubborn them. And then you've got to lead them with the truth. Eventually, I had to walk over to her and grab her hand and say, no, this is where we're going. This is the truth. Don't allow lies. Don't give room for lies. Don't give them time and space. Lead them with the truth. This is the truth of the Word of God. Call out what is wrong and correct it with the truth. And sometimes you've got to increase your volume. You know, you know, it's not healthy to be yelling at your children all the time. But you know what happens when you increase your volume? You call it to attention. You will listen to me. Have you seen the, the movie War Room? It's all about spiritual warfare. And this lady at, the, at one part of the movie, she walks outside and she, she's walking in her house and she's declaring the Word of God over her life. She's speaking against the enemy. You will not have your way in this household. And she is, she's raised her volume and she's saying, I'm calling you to attention. Sometimes we've got to increase our volume. So take captive every thought. Make it obedient to what? To Christ. To Christ. You know what we have to do, church, is we have to align our thoughts with Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter um, 2, verse 16 says, have the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ. I want to read you a story. It says this. There was a famous golfer who'd been invited by the king of Saudi Arabia to play in a tournament. He accepted the invitation and he was flown there by the king in his own private jet. And they played golf and they had a great time and the golfer went home. But before he left, the king wanted to give him something to bless him. He said, anything you want, I'll give it to you. And the man was polite and he said, no, 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 nothing. I've just had a wonderful time. I don't want anything. I don't need anything. But the king insisted and the man said, all right, fine. I collect golf clubs. Why don't you get me a golf club? So the man got on the plane and he went home. And the, the golfer was picturing this new golf club that the king was going to send him. It would be probably solid gold, probably have like diamonds studded in it. He knew it would definitely be a great gift from a, an oil-rich king in Saudi Arabia. So the man waited and every day he looked forward to the mail, but no golf club arrived. Several weeks went by and he, got a, he received a certified letter 
from the king. He thought, that's strange, I asked for a golf club. What's this letter doing? Now to the man's surprise, when he opened the letter, inside was a deed to a 500 acre golf course. The moral of the story, church, is this. Kings think differently to us. Kings think differently to us. And what it's saying here in the Word of God is saying, have the mind of Christ. Have the mind, think like a king. You know, oh, I'll just be happy with just a little bit. I just want to go. Oh, no, that's okay. God's like, I want to bless you. I want to lavish my love upon you. I want to to help you walk in victory. I want to give you everything I possibly can. Hey, we've got to learn to think like a king. He says He's made us a a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are kings and priests. Church, you are called, you are favoured, you are blessed, you are anointed, you are saved, you are set free, you are co-heir with Christ. You are more than a conqueror. Let's learn to think like a king. You know, the Bible tells us to meditate on the Word. Meditate on it day and night. And you'll be like a tree planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit in each season. Your leaves will never wither and you will prosper in all that you do. By by what? By aligning your thoughts with the Word of God, by aligning your mind with Christ, then your life will move in the direction of your most dominant thought. Favoured, highly favoured, anointed of God. During COVID, I... During COVID, and I know for many people, it was, it was tough in terms of our, on our mind, on our thoughts and our thinking. So I decided at one point in COVID, I decided I'm gonna start memorizing Scripture, like intentionally memorize Scripture. So I learned, I've, I've, I, know, I know six full chapters of the Psalms, not consecutive ones, because I decided I need to memorize Scripture because I wanna be able to call it and speak it whenever I need it. Not to have to look in the Word or even when I'm lying in bed at night when your mind starts to go wild and your thoughts start to run around, I began to mutter Scripture. Do you know what the Hebrew word for meditate is? To mutter. The Hebrew word for meditate means to mutter, to give it volume, to to speak it out, to call it to attention, to have the mind of Christ, to meditate on the Word of God. One of those Psalms was Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He, He is my... Oh gosh, what is He is my refuge, my, my place of safety. I've lost it now. But I began to memorize these verses. And so when I was sleeping in bed at night, I began to mutter to myself. You know that internal dialogue that we, none of us want to admit that we have? I began to mutter in the middle of the night the, the Scriptures and the Psalms that I had memorized and the power that it gives us, aligning our mind with the Word of God. It is powerful, church. So find Scriptures that you want to speak over your life. Get, I challenge you this way, get the Word of God out, get the Bible out and find Scriptures that you are going to memorize and learn that you can mutter and you can meditate on and give power to, to align your thoughts in the right direction. There are so many verses, Romans 8, 37, know in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Ephesians 2.10, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Oh, sorry, that was Jeremiah 29, 11. Ephesians 2, 10. For you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God planned in advance for you to do. I love this one, Judges 6, 12. This has been one of our family memory verses. Judges 6, 12. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So all our children, we, we go through our memory verses. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I've, our, our son, Oliver, 6, he started kindergarten this year and he's been a little bit apprehensive about being dropped off at school. So we walked to school 
And I say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I make him say it. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he says it and he declares it over his life. And then I push him through the gate and say, see, I have a good day. is with you mighty warrior how about this one number 624 the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace how about this taste and see that the Lord is good oh the joys of those who take refuge in him fear the Lord you his godly people those who fear him will have all they need even strong young lions sometimes go hungry but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing the Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need be strong and courageous do not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God goes with you he will never leave you nor forsake you the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. With God, all things are possible. Come on church, there are so many uh, spiritual weapons, words that we can grab hold of and then we can prophesy, declare and speak over our lives. And you, you know what, God can change who you are as a person. He can renew you by changing the way that you think. So take them captive. Make them obedient to Christ. And watch how your life changes in its direction. This is spiritual warfare. Hey, can I say something, church? Stop showing up to the fight with toothpicks. Stop showing up to the fight with toothpicks. You have a whole arsenal full of weapons. Let's begin to use them in Jesus' name.